You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. We're just really thrilled, as Allison said, uh, to have Gwen with us here tonight. So she's going to give us a talk. Always good to be here. But I didn't come with the cheeriest of topics. This is my type. <laughs> um, I really appreciated Jeffy's meditation there. It's, uh, I, I think you can just tell by the title I, I've been in a little bit of the same place. Um, I'm a psychologist in my day job, and these are not easy days. Um, people are coming with heavy hearts a lot. Um, but uh, a little while ago, I was out of the U.S. for two weeks, and in that time, I sort of just unplugged. So I didn't get a lot of U.S. news. We were overseas. It was just sort of this open space, and I really appreciated it. But when I returned, then I was hit hard with the news, particularly from the border and all the immigration controversy, particularly the separating children from their parents. These sorts of traumas um, alter the lives of the victims. Uh, I listen every day in my office, sometimes 20 or 30 years later, to the way people carry these inside them and how much they can cripple them. So I've been asking myself lately a lot, how do we stand our ground in days like ours where evil persists? Um, I think Paul was facing a lot of the same stuff, um, and so that's a little bit from him in Ephesians. I'll get to that again in just a few minutes. Um, but right after we got back from that trip out of the U.S., I traveled to the U.S.-Mexico border in Douglas, Arizona, to pray with board members from MCC. I'm your representative on the MCC board. MCC is our International Relief and Development Agency. We give lots of money to them regularly, and I'm grateful for every dime of that. Because as a member of the board, I get to see the good that it does all over the world. We've had this trip planned, actually, to the border for many, many, many months, well before the controversy erupted. Um, but I was particularly anxious to be there and to pray um, this is my friend Ruth praying there at the border wall. It was really hot, brutally hot. My friend Gabby's toenail polish melted in her shoes. That is how hot it was. In fact, the term the U.S. government uses for this is lethal. Uh, many years ago, the wall was strengthened. The strategy was to strengthen the wall in the lowlands where there was more vegetation and more population where there was easier access to cross. That's where we made the wall most strong, thick, most difficult so that, and this was actually in the U.S. government policy, to force people into what they called the lethal desert. Sure looks lethal to me. Um, Anywhere where access was easy was blocked. 
Border Patrol agents increased in number. It was a lethal decision. Um, I, I think the, the intent was, of course, that it would deter people from coming. Um, but the reality is that it's been pretty awful at the border since the 90s, probably before that. But when the NAFTA agreement was signed, which is a trade agreement, um, the uh, aftermath of that, that was passed, by the way, in the 90s under President Clinton, the ability of small farmers in Central America was deeply impacted and they could no longer sustain themselves as a result of this trade agreement. And so they were forced to migrate. Um, they simply could not feed their families. And then there's the pervasive control and influence of the drug cartels along the Mexican border, in the borderlands there. We're the market for all of that. And so local economies in Central America actually became more lethal. <laughs> Home became lethal for these people too. And so in desperation, they attempt to cross the border. So these deterrents really haven't helped. One of the things that the board did was we held a vigil at a graveyard that contained the bodies of people, both named and unnamed, who died while attempting to cross the border. The sorrow just built up inside me, along with the sweat and the discomfort outside of me. Mark Adams, who is the guy speaking to us right in there, from Frontera de Cristo, one of MCC's partners along the border, told us about the impact of all these changing policies. Mark has been at the border for over 20 years trying to help. And it was Mark that reminded us of that scripture passage from Ephesians. And uh, I want to chat with you a little more about that or just keep it before us. Um, Mark wanted us to know that that he thought that the job of the border agents was particularly soul-killing, that he felt they were victims of, of the processes there, as well as the migrants. Um, he talked about some hopeful programs, too, this whole idea of creating um, ways that people do not have to migrate. They don't really want to come here if they could sustain themselves. So I'll tell you more about that hopeful side of it, too. But it was Mark that was particularly poignant, I thought, when he was talking about this process of, of remembering that our struggle is with evil. It's with forces that are invisible. <laughs> Sounds a little, a little out there, but if you follow Christ, you are a person who believes in a world beyond this one and in invisible powers in the spiritual. And so our struggle is not against flesh and blood, no matter how riled we get at some of the people who are carrying out policies that are difficult or who are making comments around the world, who knows what will happen tomorrow at the summit. But it's not flesh and blood. And I thought that was really important. But these powers of dark, spiritual forces, and so we need to, as Paul recommends, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So that's what I've been 
wrestling with. What does it mean to stand our ground? It, it feels evil out there in the heat and the brutality of the desert. But I think it also feels evil sometimes right here, doesn't it? It seems to me that when lies are the mainstay of communication from the highest levels of our government, we're in an evil day. It seems to me when racism is not only tolerated but actively promoted, we are in an evil day. I get discouraged. I've stood in the presence of God, feeling his miraculous love and healing time after time over all the years that I have followed after Jesus, but I still get discouraged. How do we press on in days like these? So, this is where Rod and I when we were, uh, went when we were overseas. We were following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul all around Greece. So we saw a lot of ancient ruins like this. One of my favorite moments on the trip was when we were in Thessaloniki, as the Greeks call it. You and I would remember the New Testament letters to the Thessalonians. So we were there. There's still a city there. Some places like Philippi are just a ruin. but. In Thessaloniki, there is a bustling city, and in the interior, the, the ancient walls are still there and in some places. And in one particular place that we found, there is a church just outside the wall, because it's the spot where they said that Paul was lowered in the basket over the wall to escape the authorities. I love to be in places like this. It just gets my whole person into what it must have been like, and it seems to be one of those thin places we talk about where it just feels easier to wait and listen to God. So we sat in this very small Byzantine chapel just outside the wall in Thessaloniki where Paul had been in his basket. And uh, I was sort of overtaken with trying to get my mind to wrap around the whole concept of the resurrection or not the resurrection, the incarnation. Even before Jesus died and raised for us, he came. He came in bodily form. It, it was, I, I find that remarkable, that we are visited, um, that, that the God of all the universe came. There's such a tenderness to that. And I was looking at this very dark icon of Jesus, feeling very grateful, but really this, do you ever get to that place where you're thinking through one of these sort of infinite, expansive ideas and you just know you're not quite around it? <laughs> and I, I kept trying to find my way around it and feeling more and more grateful. And then there was all this clattering in the, in the chapel because the janitor decided that was a good time to clean it, I think. And so I'm like, yeah. And so I'm trying to keep myself focused. And suddenly it, it felt like a diamond just kind of dropping into my mind. Not only did God stay, but I felt quite, or that did God come, but quite personally I felt, and he stayed. Jesus came, but he stayed. Oh my, our God has stayed. God is with us. And I think that's key to how we stand in the day of evil. Um, as we find ways, even in these troubled times where the heat at the border is killing, 
where we are trying to sort out how do we teach our children to love in days like these? What do we do when the examples that we are receiving and that they are receiving are about hate and exclusion, about power used to accumulate money and things, about being first or being best? What, what do we do? I think we can find God when we try to reclaim the simple goodness, the virtue that is worth preserving, goodness itself. God has stayed with us. We are not without hope of goodness prevailing. Um, and so when you think about it, I hope that you can find some sort of a battle line maybe in your own life, a place to resist, to reclaim goodness, just that, goodness. I also went to see the Fred Rogers movie, which I recommend highly, even though it is a rather glowing uh, picture of Mr. Rogers. Um, but this is one of my favorite things that he, he has said. Try your best to make goodness attractive. That's one of the toughest assignments you'll ever be given. How in our day are we going to continue to believe and are we going to teach our kids to continue to believe that goodness is good, it's attractive, it's worth holding out for, it's worth fighting for even in ways that are good. So I think you and I can work at this and I hope we can just think about it together for the next few minutes. Um, how do we make goodness attractive again? Not mocked or overlooked or belittled. Just simple goodness. A kind word, the effort made to greet others and to try to love them, to listen, to smile, to communicate grace. You know, we can even do that in this room in the next little bit when we're done worshiping, when we're done just eating and get ready to stand up again. You can practice goodness. I think we, we can decide to not wait to be loved and instead to love. You can do that in your family, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. There's all kinds of opportunities. You can do it in your neighborhood. In a time of rising evil, we can resist and insist that goodness is worth having, worth saving, and worth doing. So it's not magic. It's just my little tiny idea that I think Fred Rogers affirmed long before. We can insist that violence isn't acceptable, that name-calling is immature and rude no matter who's saying it, that human beings are valuable even when they behave badly, that those who hurt us should, should not be slapped back. We can fight the evil within us and without uh, outside of us, and we can trust that God himself will grant us protection. We can do all of that because we don't do it anymore. Jesus not only came, but he stays. I wouldn't be true to psychology if I didn't make you think about how that process all works inside of us. <laughs> um, and so I'm seeing more and more that I must fight the evil within me as well, that the temptation to despair is strong. The temptation just to look away, just to not ever listen to the news, <laughs> not just a two-week hiatus, but a forever one. 
I don't think that's what God would call me to, although I may need to limit that. You can find your own way there. But, but I need to resist this temptation to just sit down. I'm not talking about resisting our need for rest. That's God-given. He grants us rest, and it's clear that we need to receive this. I'm talking instead about this pull that I think gets going around us and in us to give up or just to not engage, to convince myself that I can't do anything, so I just can do nothing. And I need to resist that. Yes. So how do we res resist that evil? The brutality of the external world where evil is on the rise, and the reality of our inner worlds where we are prone to hide in our weakness or in our desire not to weep over the woes around us. The temptation to not go to the border was pretty strong for me, I have to admit. I knew I would be hot. I knew I would hear stories that would sear my heart. And I think you know that feeling too. You know And that, that drift into just not going, not engaging. So how do we persist in our resistance to evil? Well, again, I think the answers are often simple. Not simple to do, just simple to say. We need to keep praying. We need to keep wrestling. We need to keep holding on to Jesus. Jesus who stays. Another bit from Thessalonians, where Paul was in that basket. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. For not everyone is a believer, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Probably won't do that if we aren't engaged, if we aren't looking for ways to persist against people. Remember how simple it was when Jesus taught his friends to pray? Very simple language to God. This is from Matthew 7 in the New Living Translation. There at the end, of course, my topic came up again as I thought about this. Rescue us from the evil one. Protect us from evil. Jesus knew we would need this. He knew our hearts would need it. He knew our minds would need it. Every day, in the midst of the model prayer, it's there. Especially, I say then again, on these days where evil is on the rise. Oh God, protect us. We may not be strong enough, we may not be wise enough, or loving enough, but we can ask for protection, and we can fight for goodness. You can, I can. I'd even say we must. And there's this wonder to it all that I think happens over and over again. Uh, did you go to the art museum for the 4th of July fireworks? I did not. <laughs> um, but I really had a lovely 4th of July. Um, but I was really tired at the end of the day. We've been swimming. We went to a pool with some of our grandkids. Um, it was really a fun day. Then Marcel had a barbecue at our house that evening. And they brought friends. And it was really this terrific kind of day. Um, but 
I couldn't sleep that night. All night long, I just couldn't sleep. And I knew I was tired, physically tired, emotionally tired, tired. And it was only the next morning in my prayer room that I finally got a little clarity on what was going on. And I think this is what happens, especially in the fight against evil within. So let me tell you what finally came clear to me when I sat in my prayer room. A funny thing happened at the pool. There were these races. Kathy got a third place. She's second place. Wow. <laughs> Even better. So they were, it, it was at this public pool in New Jersey, quite near where Ben and Gwyneth live. And so Ollie, their seven-year-old, was very excited about swimming in the seven and eight-year-old race. And so we were all sitting at the side of the pool cheering him on. It was really a fun day. And then they kept going through these age brackets. And they got up to what they called the Olympic category. That's 50 and over. <laughs> I'm almost 65, so I'm really over. <laughs> but um, after seeing Kathy get out there, I decided, OK, I'll go out there. And the first race was just with a kickboard, and you just kicked across the pool. I did a lot of swimming when I was a kid. I haven't worked out in probably 50 years, but <laughs> I still won that race coasting. So that was <laughs> Then they had people swimming, 25-yard freestyle. That was not my event, by the way. But I decided I was going to do that anyway. Ollie did it. He made it across the pool. That was a triumph for him. So I got in the pool, and I was feeling rather self-conscious because I had on a swim shirt that was too big for me. Um, and old, my swimsuit bottoms, which kind of didn't have very much elastic left in them. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, let's just relax. And I really expected to win. I mean, I had coasted. But I think more people kind of decided they were going to be a part of this thing by the time we got to the second round of events. Mm -hmm. And so when I pushed off the wall, I was in the middle. And I breathed to the right. So I saw a woman over here and she was keeping up with me and so I started swimming harder <laughs> and um, and by the time we got to the end there was a woman over here who beat me and this woman I, we were close but I think she beat me too anyway they gave me a, a thing so Theo and I went over and fought over which prize we wanted but <laughs> I didn't win I was really surprised and I didn't win and that's really silly. I mean, it was almost nothing, right? Ollie is jumping up and down next to me. Nana, Nana, you swim great! And, uh, but I didn't sleep all night. When I got to my prayer room, it finally became clear to me that the message inside of me from all of my athleticism as a kid, I, I really did swim a lot, like eight hours a day, swim a lot, training. If you don't win, you're not loved. And that's nonsense. But that's what kept me awake on that. There was this inner struggle, that old, ancient, evil voice. Now, that one's unique to me, but you have your voices. Because there's evil in the world that wants us to miss God's love, miss it. Once I could know what it was, know that this was the message, 
then I could be over it, I could be free. And it's this freedom then that beckons me to pray in the Lord and to keep praying. It's these kinds of experiences um, that keep me going, acting against the invisible forces of evil, even in a day when evil rises. A couple of signs of hope at the border. This was my favorite story from the border. It's a fence. It, it's these poles in the particularly built-up places that are kind of in these units of four. And you can get a cord, a microphone cord, as a matter of fact, through this border wall. And so what the people of the communities there do once a year is they put a stage on one side of the border, and they put a stage exactly in the same spot on the other side of the wall and they filter these chords through, and they have one music festival, <laughs> acting like the wall isn't even there, that they can still be one community. Wow. Pretty great. We will find creative and joyous ways to resist if we listen to our God. He is still here. God stays. He stays to rescue us again and again from the evil within us, without us. So let's fight the good fight. Join me. Let's do it by singing and smiling and loving. Let's do it by clinging to simple goodness in all kinds of daily tasks. Let's teach each other and our children to love first and to admire goodness in our world wherever we find it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.